You've heard me say many times that um, it is God's will for us as his children to be victorious and to benefit from all of the things that he's, that he's done for us. Uh, it is not God's will for any of us to perish. That means, you know, spiritually separated from God. It is not God's will for us to be really, 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 really struggling. doesn't mean that you won't have some trials and tribulations. Jesus said that you would have some trials and tribulations. But it is not God's will for us to, to stay in a constant state of tribulation. Amen. God has given us everything that we need. So this message is about, you've already got it. You've already got it. When you stop and think about it, what does the Lord need to do for you? Or what do you feel the Lord needs to do for you? Do you need the Lord to heal you? Do you need prosperity in your life? Could you use more money? The truth is that you don't need the Lord to do anything for you. Because he's already done his part. You've already got it. Whatever the it is. If you go to Second Peter verse 1. Three to four. Let's go there again. We have to we have to look at this based on what Scripture is saying, as usual. Turn to one. I'm sorry, Second Peter. Second Peter one. Praise God. Verse three and four. Second Peter one. The things in your life that you're hoping for, that you're praying for, that you're wishing for, whatever those things might be, we're going to look at today that you've already, you already have those things. And you're probably scratching your head, what does he mean I already have it? I'm looking at my bank account, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at what I need. You know, I got this ache in my back and my arm. And what does he mean I, need, mean I already have it? Well, we're going to see what the Word of God says. Go to, again, <clears throat> sorry, Second Peter 1 verse 3. According as the divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So first of all, back up in verse number 3, underline please, uh, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory. Okay? And again in verse number 4, underline, uh, whereby are given unto us, past tense you notice, exceeding great and precious promises. Okay? So according to this, divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him has called us to, to glory and virtue. The only thing that we're lacking is knowledge. Everything else, all of the needs of life and godliness are given to us in past tense. Many Christians live in a constant state of trying to get God to do something. They are begging God to move through revival, healing, prosperity, etc. They run from meeting to meeting trying to get something from God, but they've already got it. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, I'm going to Colorado, I'm going to so-and-so, I'm running over here, I'm running over there, hoping to get something from God. They're seeking and seeking and seeking by jumping around to a million different places trying to get something from God, but they've already got it. If you go to the book of Ephesians now... Let's go to the book of Ephesians. 
And I'm going here because I want you to read these things for yourself. Book of Ephesians. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. My pages are sticking together here. Thank you, Jesus. I shall get there. These new Bibles, boy, they make the pages so thin. Okay, at last. Okay, Pastor, we're all there. We're waiting on you. Okay, praise God. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. All right? So please, under, oh, let me do five also, I'm sorry. Um, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So in verse number three, underline there, please. Um, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And in verse number four, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, underline all of that. All right. In verse number, as you're, as you're underlining, in, in verse number three, where it says, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, it says, has blessed us. Okay? It doesn't say will. It says has blessed us. Meaning that it is, an, it is past tense. It is something that was already done. Okay? He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. didn't say some. It says all spiritual blessings. In verse 4, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So before the foundation of the world, before time, God knew who you were. God had a plan for your life. It's merely a factor of now of that, that plan for God uh, unfolding in your life. Now, of course, being that we are, are, are free moral agents, we have the right to choose. Of course, we can impact what God has chosen in our lives. Okay? I mean, how many of you realize that as powerful as God is, you know, we can slap his hands as though we put handcuffs on him by, by choosing to do things that God has not called us to do. Amen? But God has given you all of those spiritual blessings. All right? This says that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, meaning that it's already done. You already have all spiritual blessings, but many Christians don't realize what they have. If they're sick in their bodies, instead of starting from, by his stripes I was healed, if they're sick in their bodies before uh, starting with, by his stripes I was healed, you know, they wind up listening to what the doctor is saying. Instead, they take the doctor's report, or they go by what the pain in their bodies are telling them. They say that, I'm, they say that I, I'm sick, God, will you heal me? If you don't understand this, this might be one of the main reasons you aren't receiving from God. You need to get to a revelation of this. Jesus was or has already provided everything you'll ever need. Okay? Jesus has already provided everything that you'll ever need. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings. All of them. Now let's go to the book of John. Okay? I realize here that, that, that I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking you on a trip here that many would probably have a hard time 
adjusting to. John chapter 4, that would have a hard time adjusting to. But, you see, the problem with, with uh, Christianity, quote-unquote, is that we get so caught up into what so many believe, and even in what some churches would believe, or in what, what some, some Christians would believe, that we miss what God is saying to us in his Bible. You see? And so therefore we don't get spiritually, um, how can I say, deep enough or spiritually involved in and, and, and praying to Holy Spirit, Spirit when we're reading Bible and when we're attending church and listening to a sermon. We're not, we're not, not praying and understanding the deep spiritual thing that God is telling us. You see? So therefore when things happen in our lives, we go kind of to the natural course of business. Oh God, I got a pain in my back. Oh Lord God, can you heal me? Well, guess what? The healing was done. Um, oh, God, oh, God, gee whiz, I, I've got financial lack. I need, I need, I need. Well, guess what? The financial blessing was already done. Okay? You see, but we, we human beings in, in, in this physical plane here on earth, we have a hard time adjusting to that and remembering that. So when the devil throws a tribulation our way and a hardship drops in, jumps in our lives, we forget what the word of God tells us, okay? And, 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 and the, the word of God, the realities of God exist in the spiritual realm because that's where God is, you see? And we, when you become a born again child of God, of God, you become a citizen of that spiritual realm. You become a child of God. You become an heir. You become one of God's heirs, you see? But we, when, when all heck is breaking loose around us, we tend to forget about that. We forget about the reality. Okay? Alright? Okay? So, 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 so Jesus has already provided everything you will ever need. Go to John 4, 19, starting with verse number 19. Okay? John 4, verse number 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you worship, you know not what. Okay, you don't know what you worship, in other words. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes, and now is... Listen to this now, 23. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Please underline that. Okay? The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship. God is looking for those who are wanting to worship him in spirit and in truth. Talking about deep spiritual worship. Deep spiritual worship is, goes far beyond you simply attending church, fit, sitting in a physical by, uh, uh, building. Okay? God, it, it says here, for the Father seeks such to worship him. Those that worship him in spirit and truth. 24 goes on to say, God is a spirit. Please underline. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? So, God is a spirit. So now, you really, really, really need to get, need to wrap your head around it as they say. God is a spirit. So the things of God, the true things of God, exist in his spiritual realm. This is where, this is where the action really is, so to speak. Okay? So, when we start going through issues of, the issues of life, the trials and tribulation, and we're trying to, to figure out where to turn, how to get something done, 
you know, you know, how to receive healing. How do I pay a bill? How do I get this? How do I get that? The first thing that we as human beings do, and we as Christians even do, is that we start looking at the physical realm around us, trying to figure out how can I solve this problem, okay? The solution to your problem has been done. It's been done already, but it's in the spiritual realm, okay? So, so what do I need to do? I need to start then moving myself from beyond looking at the physical quote-unquote realities of my life, of my physical life, and start looking at the spiritual realities, okay, not in quotes, the spiritual realities, not in quotes, because that's where the reality is. The reality to the solutions of the issues of life are in the spiritual realm. Okay? And that's where the action is. Alright? So it, it says there, there that we have to worship God in spirit and truth because God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in, and in truth. Okay? And he moves in the spiritual realm. Whether or not we see a physical manifestation of what he has done in the spiritual realm is dependent upon what we believe and how we act. Not on what he, on, on what he has done. Okay? He's already done it. But if you react in a way that you do not believe that God has already done it, you follow what I'm saying? Then that's going to impact what manifests or what happens or doesn't happen in your life. Okay? If you don't realize and understand that God is a spirit and that what he has already done is in the spiritual realm, okay, if you don't understand and you, or maybe you just don't believe it, then that means when you've got that physical thing in your life that's missing, be it healing, be it a, a bank account that's low, or whatever it is that you're, that you're praying and worrying about, you wind up trying to solve the problem in a natural way. But the answer is that it was already done for you, spiritually. It's already done, okay? It is not up to the Lord to heal us. He's already done this. It is not up to the Lord to heal us. The word of God says in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes we are healed. Amen? So if you've got a pain in your body, if you've got an ache or something like that, then what you need to be, be, be crying out is like, oh Lord, I mean, you know, heal me, heal me. God has already done the healing. What we need to do is to claim the reality, what the spirit realm tells us, and that by Jesus' stripes we are healed. Okay, the word of God says that by, by Jesus' stripes, by Jesus, the stripes were, were the, the, um, the whippings that he took on his back. You know, there's a school of thought that believes that the 39 whippings that he received, the 39 stripes that he received, represents each one of the major um, groups of, of illnesses that can impact man. Now, I don't know if that's so or not, but all I know is that the 39 was there because the Roman soldiers would not go up to 40 because they believed that 40 would kill a man and they did not wish to kill him. Okay, but the word of God says, by Jesus Christ we're healed. So that means that every last that was put on Jesus' back, you were healed. So that means that if you're feeling a pain in your body or something going on, you need to claim, God, please heal me. You've got to understand it was already done, but now I need that spiritual reality to manifest itself in my physical realm. I need to bring it into my physical realm. Healing has already been provided. Financial prosperity has already been provided. Joy and peace and everything that you will ever need emotionally has already been provided. If you're having a down day, if things aren't going right, if you don't feel good, you don't need to embrace discouragement, despair, and hopelessness. But the average Christian just embraces this stuff. They say, oh God, I ask you to touch me. I ask you to give me joy. The Bible says you've already received all of these things. The logical question to ask then is, well, where where, where is it? Okay? 
we, when things aren't going right in our lives and, and you, you're feeling depressed and discouraged, and, and I'm saying to you today, well, you know, it's already been given to you. The joy's been given to you. The answer to depression, you say like, well, where is it? I know how I feel. I know how I feel. Okay? What does the Word of God says about feelings? We walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? So I know how I feel. But wait a minute though. But God said though that He's given me His joy, He's given me His peace. Well, it's already been done. But where has it been done? It's been done in God's spiritual realm. God is a spirit. Well, guess what? The real you is a spirit and you are a child of God. You've been filled with His Holy Spirit, you see? But we as Christians, we miss that whole thing and we run crazy trying to fix it or trying to dig ourselves out of the hole. We start looking for that shovel, you know, Jesus, how can I get out of this hole? I need a shovel, I need a shovel. Alright? You're looking in the wrong place. Go to Galatians. Praise God. You've got to change your thinking here, you know, and sometimes it takes Holy Spirit to shake us up a little bit and say, and say, open your eyes, okay, because you're missing what I'm trying to say to you. We get so caught up in our usual Christian routine, you know, of, you know, going to church and, and, and the Word of God says, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not saying don't go to church. We need to go to church. The more we go to church, the better off we are, okay, because then we are around other saints of God. Okay? And we're all saints. We're all saints. And that's in the Word, according to the Word. We're saints. You need to be surrounded by other saints of God so that you can hear the testimonies. You can hear the issues of life that others are experiencing with. with. You can be there and, and join in the, in the corporate worship where Holy Spirit is, is moving. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Is what? Joy. Is what? Peace. Suffering. Long-suffering, which is patience. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. Against such there is no law. And they, and they, uh, I'm sorry, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Underline verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And then back in 22, which is my point of bringing you to this particular, these verses, is that, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Underline all of those, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Is the spirit of love, joy, peace. You see? So, it says that love, joy, peace, etc. are in you if you're born again. It's right there in your spirit. Many people claim they don't feel the love of God. Alright? That joy is in your spirit. The truth is that God has already poured out His love toward you. But you say, I don't feel the love of God. Look what it says here in Romans. Let's go to Romans 5. Praise God. Romans 5. Okay, Romans 5. Romans 5, verse number 1. People say, I don't feel the love of God. You know? When you're feeling depressed about something that's going on in your life, your life, the life of a loved one, or there's something with your children, something you've been praying about, 
You start talking about God loving you. I don't feel the love of God. I don't feel the joy. I don't feel the peace. God's there. Okay? Again, you're looking for a feeling. You're looking for a, a feeling. I remember one time, long ago, my pastor said to me, don't ever stand up. He was training me on, on how to be in the spirit when you're preaching and stuff. And he said, don't be up there preaching and looking for a feeling that your Holy Spirit anointed to bring forth the message. Because your message shouldn't be based on your feelings. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing the speaking. Don't go by your feelings. The things of God are much deeper than deep spiritual, deep physical feelings. Okay? And lo and behold, I mean, as, you know, in my early years, in my, my youth of preaching, it wasn't, if I didn't feel that that message was, went forth good, it's kind of like when you stand up in a secular environment, when you're in school or when you're in, um, in, in, in business, and you're standing up and you're teaching or you're making a presentation to other people, and you don't feel like the presentation went well, because you're looking at the people and they're either sitting there rolling their eyes or whatever because they want to get back to coffee or get back to their desk or whatever, and you don't feel effective, the things of God don't work that way. Because while you may not feel physically that the message was anointed or went out, Holy Spirit's done his job. Holy Spirit is doing his job. Holy Spirit has touched someone or some people in that particular congregation. Holy Spirit does his job. So you can't go by your feelings. Amen? God said that he's poured out his love upon you. Amen? Romans, Romans 5 verse number 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Underline peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith. Underline by whom also we have access by faith. Into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. No, you see, underline that. But we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation works patience, underline. Knowing that tribulation works patience. And patience, experience, underline. And experience, hope, underline. Amen? Go back to three again. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that patience works, um, I'm sorry, tribulation works patience. And patience, experience. And experience, hope. And hopes make us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Underline that, please. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Amen? Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Amen? Now let's over we glory in tribulations. You have a tribulations, you glory in it. You're glorying it because the way God is working is that, is that through that tribulation, it brings patience. It brings patience knowing that God is going to bring me out of this tribulation. Having faith in God, knowing that. And then it says that, and in patience it brings experience. Experience here is talking about experience with the spiritual realm. Alright? If you've been going through a tribulation and something is really, really resting on you and you're exercising that patience because you're knowing that God is there, that God is working it, 
When that thing that you're, you're waiting for and you're worrying about or whatever it is that's involved in it, give you that tribulation, when it happens and you've had that patience and trust in God, you wind up gaining experience in how God works in the spiritual realm. So that the next time around when a tribulation comes upon you, you don't fall apart. Or at least you don't fall apart as much. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because you know, you know what happened the last time you had a tribulation. How God brought it out, brought you through it. Amen. But the key verse here that I wanted to focus on with relative to the love of God is in verse 5. Because it says, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given into us. Amen. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto you. And you have the Holy Spirit. So according to this, which is the word of God, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the love of God. So don't be looking like and saying, I don't feel God. Or I don't feel the love of God. Because you can't go by your feelings. And why can't you go by your feelings? Because it already said, we already learned that God is spirit. And we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't say that we need to worship God and believe God in body and in maybes. We need to worship God physically and on possibilities. It says worship God spiritually and in truth. Because God is truth. You talk about absolutes in the world, absolutes in the universe. The one absolute is that God is truth. There's one absolute. Amen? It goes to the word of God. You know, uh, 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 God loves you whether you feel it or not. His love has been poured in your heart, in your spirit. His love is not conditional upon your good actions. God's love for you does not do have anything to do with your good actions or your holiness. You've got to realize that God has already provided everything. And if I don't feel his love, it's not that God didn't give it. It's that I don't realize what I have. If you don't feel God's love, it's because you don't realize what you have. Because God said that you have it. Okay? So if you don't feel it, it's not God's fault. You're missing something that you, you already have and you simply just don't realize it. When you know that you have something, it takes the struggle out of it. It takes you out of condemnation. It takes you out of a legalistic mentality of trying to earn things from God. It removes doubt. How could you ever doubt that you'd get something that you already have? Amen? Think about it, okay? How can you doubt that you'd get something that you already have? It's really that simple. Would you doubt that you have a car or your house? Would you doubt? You know? Do a little thing here. Here. Do something here. Sam, take this pen. Ask me for my pen. You have it. Say it again. Say it again. Can I have your pen? You have my pen. One more time. Can I have your pen? You have my pen. It's right there in your hand. Amen. Thank you. Just give them an applause. (laughs) Okay? All right? Okay? Well, the same way she was asking for my pen, she had it in her hand. Well, according to the word of God, we have God's love. We have everything that he said that we need. Amen? Many Christians, when they pray for what they've already got, may be getting silence from the Lord. It's because God has already given them everything they need. God might be saying, why do they ask for what they already have? 
Suppose after M kept asking me for my pen, I just stood there and looked at him like she was nuts. She's got my pen in her hand. Suppose she just constantly asked me, Pastor, Pastor, can I have your pen? Can I have your pen? Eventually, I'm just going to sit there and look at her. I might decide just to be quiet. I might decide to walk out of the room. You know, uh, no. Not that God would walk out of the room. God's not going to walk away from you. All right? But you see the point that I'm making. Why do we ask God for what we already have? You see, and we as Christians, we, just, we lose sight of that reality. We're all trying to be good children of God. We're all trying to be good Christians. We're all trying to be good followers of Christ. And we're all praying and we're tithing and we're giving and we're doing this and we're doing that. But then we get back and the things that are going on in our lives, we're crying out to God and He's done it for us. Amen? You've got something going on in your household and whatnot. God's given you the answer. God's given you the answer on how to solve that problem, how to address it. God laid it out. God knew it was going to be there before the foundation of the earth because he knew that you were going to be there before the foundation of the earth. Why do we ask for what we already have? If you go to, to excuse me, if you go to Joshua 1, 9, and you probably know that scripture before we even get there. Okay. You know, we, 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 we cry out to God because we really do not understand the concept of that God has already done all things for us. On the cross, Jesus did everything that he needed to do. God was so brilliant, of course. God was so brilliant in sending his only begotten son to get mankind out of the mess that Adam had thrown us into. God was so brilliant knowing that the work, the process that I'm going to set up through my son, when he finishes his work, they won't need anything else. Because I'm going to take care of it all. And we just read the scriptures there that said that what God has done, you read the scriptures and you underline them. So if you don't believe me, believe what the word of God says. Okay, we're all there. 1 John 1, 9. I'm sorry, <laughs> Joshua. Glad you're paying attention. Amen. Joshua 1, verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Underline all of that if you don't already have it underlined, so that when you're going back and you're reading the Bible during the week, and I hope you are reading it by picking it up during the week. That you have these scriptures underlined and Holy Spirit can minister to you. That's why we underline things here. Amen. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and have a good courage. Be strong and have a good courage. You pick up your Bible later on during the week when you've got things going on in your life and you don't know where to turn. And then you read that scripture, be strong and have good courage. I know I've read one John, um, I keep saying one John because one John 9 is the other script. Uh, but uh, Joshua uh, 1 9, I've read that so many times over the years, so many times. I mean, I know it by heart, so many times. Because when you're feeling discouraged, when something is going on in your life, that one verse there is such, to me is such a, a, a pick me upper. Have not I commanded. God is not saying, this is what I hope for you. He says, Have I not commanded thee? So this is a command of God. Haven't I commanded thee? Be strong. He's commanding us to be strong. He's commanding us to be of good courage. And don't be afraid. 
you got things in life going on and they're really troubling you, you know, especially where sickness may be concerned. Sometimes you do fear. Let that spirit of fear enter in because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And then you read this scripture and God has commanded you, do not be afraid. Neither be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be worrying. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, whithersoever thou goest. So that means that he's with you right here in church. He's with you when you get back home. He's with you there in Winco when that customer cuts you off. Or wherever you are in another store and the customer cuts you off. Amen. He's there with you. Whatever is going on in your life, he is there with you. Amen. Amen. God might be saying, why do they ask me to go with them when I said I would never leave them or forsake them? Did you ever, you ever think about that? You're crying out to God, God, be with me. Where are you, Lord? Where are you? She was, don't you know that I'm in this mess? Don't you know what's going on? Lord, I need to be out of this place. I need to get another house. You know, the kids are driving me nuts. The wife is driving me nuts. Lord, where are you? Where are you? God is there with you. <laughs> yeah, even if your wife is driving you nuts. <laughs> Amen. Or your husband. Amen. Amen. All right. The bottom line is that the solution to your issues, even your wife or your husband that's driving you nuts, is in spiritual places, in the spiritual realm. God has taken care of that too. I'm not saying he's removed her or him, but I'm saying that the answers to whatever is going on there is, has already been done. It's been taken care of. And God has commanded you, do not be dismayed. Do not be dismayed. Amen. We, we, we see here that, then if you remember in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. Okay? If these blessings are in heavenly places, what is the bridge that brings them to earth? Okay? If, if you picture, think of this, this stage here behind me, being that it's elevated, if that stage is the heavenly places and the blessings are up there on the stage and you're down here, how do you access those blessings? How do you reach up on that stage and get those blessings? Well, the answer is through Jesus. It's Jesus. Now, it says that those spiritual blessings are in heavenly places in Christ. But they are in you because guess what? You are in Christ. You follow what I'm saying? If Christ is the access point for those heavenly, those things that are in heavenly places, then I don't have to worry about going up those stairways to get to that heavenly places. Okay, it's in Christ, and Christ is in me. So that means that those blessings that are up there on that stage, they're not only up there on that stage, they're in me because Jesus is the answer. What does it say? It says, those spiritual blessings are in heavenly places in Christ. Not my words, but, but, but the word of God. Okay? Again, you gotta get out of the, the worldly, physical, churchy kind of thinking about what God has done. This is a spiritual thing and you gotta remember what God is saying here. The blessings that God has already done for you are not inaccessible. It's just that we look to them at the wrong time. We're asking God for that pen. <laughs> We're repeatedly asking God, give me your pen, give me your pen, give me your pen. And God is saying, you already have it. Well, how do I access it? I access it through the Christ that is in me. Okay, go to, go to Philemon 6. Philemon, Philemon. Okay, it's a little book. It's after, right after Titus. 
Okay, it's only one chapter. Everybody uses that table of contents. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank God for the table of contents. Amen. That's okay. That's okay. God inspired man to put that table of contents there too. Amen. It's a book that is very, I guess, seldom visited probably because it's such a small book. doesn't mean that it's any less important. It was also written by the Apostle Paul. A letter. Amen. And, and we, hear, we go to Philemon 6. Which is actually just the sixth verse, because there are there is not a chapter one and so forth, just the uh, sixth verse of Philemon. Okay, praise God. It should be right after right after uh, Titus. Okay, back there by Timothy. Amen. Praise the living God. Okay, all right. I see thumbs up and smiles. It looks like everyone is there. Boy, a lot of sweat on those foreheads too, boy. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Philemon verse number 6. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by, the knowledge, by acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Okay? Every good thing, under, underline every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Okay? That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And what that is saying is that it's explaining this truth. Paul was praying that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. That means that your faith would begin to work. Your faith would become effective by acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. In Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, these are the words of God. Okay? That inspired Paul to write these things. So he's saying that to put in effect again, he's praying that, that, that your faith would begin to work by your acknowledging that every good thing which is in you is in you in Christ Jesus. So you got to start believing that. you got to start believing that. It will make the hassles and the difficulties of life a lot less burdensome for you. Remember that God has already done that thing that needs to be done. You just simply have to access it. Every good thing is in you in Christ. You've already got it. Go to Hebrews 13.5. We're getting down to closing here. Hebrews. Praise the living God. There we go. Praise the living God. Hebrews 13. I know those of you who are using electronic Bibles, you're probably laughing at us as we're shuffling through paper pages. But that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. Praise God. Hebrews 13, verse number 5. Okay. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. Please underline, be content with such things as you have. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Okay? For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Alright, Jesus said he would never leave you, nor forsake you. Amen? So that which you have... There has to be a level of contentment with what you have. And it says there, the first part of it, let your, covetous, let your conversation be without covetousness. 
Alright, so in other words, we don't covet what somebody else may have. We don't strive after wanting something that someone else may have, okay? But be content with what you have. God knows what you need. It does not mean that you should not aspire to have, to have things in life. That you should not aspire for a better job, a better house, a better this, a better that. God is not saying that. He's just saying don't look at those things with, with a coveting eye, okay? To be content. This says that Jesus will not leave you or forsake you. So you know, again, we see that God is saying, I command you to remember that I'm with you. Jesus is saying that I, that I, I will not forsake you. Amen. So instead of praying, Lord, just be with me this week. Or, oh God, where are you? Pray, try praying for a change. Thank you, Father, that you'll never leave me. That you are always here. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank God for the fact that he's there. Just start acknowledging the good things that the word says are in you, and then your faith begins to be effective. That's how you change it around, turn it around. Acknowledge the good things that the word says are in you, and then your faith begins to be effective. You'll start seeing these things manifest in your life. That is so much easier than begging and pleading with God to come to you. Because God is there. Simply know that what you're praying and hoping for, God has already provided for, and then thank God for providing them. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for I believe that I have received because you said that I have everything. You have it. It just matters sometimes, because don't forget now we're talking about the spiritual realm. It just matters sometimes that thing in the physical realm that you're hoping and praying for. It may take a time for it to manifest itself in the, in the uh, physical realm. But if you're not showing faith and you're not um, speaking back God's word, all right, and you keep just pleading and begging and just asking God, God said, I already gave that to you, you know. You've heard me say many times, you pray for something and whatnot, and then on day number, day number two following, if that thing hasn't materialized, you simply say, thank you, Lord, for I believe I have received it, or whatever the thing is, and you just keep saying that until it manifests itself in the physical realm. And then when it does manifest in the physical realm, that's when you thank God, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because I have received. Amen? Amen. God knows that it takes time in some cases. God is the one that's timing it for, for it, to, it already to be done in the spiritual realm, then for it to manifest in the natural. Amen? But that doesn't mean that he's left you or that he's forgotten about you. If you just start acknowledging the good things that the word says that are in you, your, your faith will begin to change. Okay, go to John 19. John chapter 19 28 to 30 John 19 verse 20, 20 uh, verse 28 praise the living God have to realize what God has already done. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Okay, underline in verse 28. Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Okay, underline that. He said, I thirst. Verse 29. Now there was a set, now there was a set, there was a set of vessel full of vinegar. And they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it in his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Please underline that. It is finished. 
And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. As you know, that was the last few minutes on the, cruci- on the, on the cross there. Jesus said, it, Jesus said that it was finished. The scripture reveals there that, uh, um, that uh, God has already done his part when Jesus died on the cross. He said it is finished. He was here three and a half years in ministry, bringing the gospel, the good news. And then his work was done. Jesus said it is finished. He didn't say to God the Father, God, let me stay another 30 days, let me stay another year, let me stay another 500 years, let me hang around 2,000 years to 2,000, uh, 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 where are we, 17. He didn't say to hang around that long. Jesus said, it is finished, 2,000 years ago. So it was done. But the thing about it is, as a Christian, as a child of God, do you believe it? Do you believe it? There's no additional work that needs to be done. In Ephesians uh, 15, Ephesians 1.15, the scripture there reveals how he is now seated at the Father's right hand. You don't have to go there right now, but Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23, talks about how he was seated at the Father's right hand. Jesus is not working anymore. He's already done. It's finished. Do you need to be healed today? It's already been done. Jesus uh, bore your stripes on his body 2,000 years ago. You need to be saved. It says in 1 John 2, 2, that he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's already forgiven the sins of the entire world. It's not a matter of if God will forgive you. He's already forgiven the sins of mankind, which enables salvation. Will you receive his forgiveness? Will you put faith in what Jesus has done? That's the issue. Okay. And I'm not saying to you that uh, school of thought that says that because Jesus forgave man of all of his sins, that means that you can go on sinning then and because it's already been. I'm not saying, I, I, I don't buy into that, 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 that point of the devil that tries to, that's been out there in the church floating around there. Oh, Jesus died for your sins, you can do anything you want. Uh-uh, it's not the case at all. Okay, what, what Jesus did in saving mankind was that now we have salvation, we have access to God directly, and we have the ability of having eternal life. Okay, up until that particular point, we, we, you know, there was not, there was not that possibility, so the sins were forgiven in that regard, but does not mean you can just go on sinning. God has already forgiven, He's already healed you, He's already commanded His blessing upon you and your finances and your health. He's already given you love, joy, and peace according to His Word. That is so powerful, but this is where so many Christians are missing it. They know that God can do all of these things, but do they really believe it? That's the key. Do you really, really believe it? They don't think he's done anything yet. And those are the people that that suffer, that struggle. They don't believe that God has already done it. They don't believe that God has already given them the pen, so to speak. They start from a position of unbelief, the biggest robber, unbelief. They are crossways with the word of God. In regards to healing, the proper way to do it is to take Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is how you start cooperating with God. Watch what you're confessing with your mouth. That's a good verse for you to have written down someplace. Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay? So how are you confessing things when things come into your life? What are you confessing over your job? What are you confessing over your household? What are you confessing over your children? How are you confessing over your wife or your husband or your house or anything that's going around? What are you allowing to come out of your mouth? Okay? 
Many times we say things in frustration, we say things in anger, we say things when we're hurt, we say things because things just don't seem to be going right, we say things and they so quickly they pop out of our mouths, but do we really stop to think? That is the spirit of evil, the devil himself is right there listening to what you're confessing, your negative confessions. And because the spoken word has such power, the word of God says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, God says that for a reason. Because what you speak, you can bring into reality in your life. Okay? Alright? The funny thing is that many, many people in the secular world, I mean, they understand that. Secular business, especially if you're a small business owner. You don't go around prophesying or speaking bad things over your small business. Such a thing as self-fulfilling property, or prophecy. People in business understand. I've heard that in seminars. They understand it, but Christians don't seem to understand that. They speak evil of their children, they call the kids stupid, they say, hey, come here stupid, and they call them stupid, and what they're doing, they're confessing stupidity to the kid. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen, amen, amen. We need to begin to believe that things have happened that we can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. Repeat that. We need to begin to believe that things have happened that we can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. We can believe that there are television and radio signals in the atmosphere, but we don't seem to believe that, uh, that the word of God in the spiritual realm is, is real. We need to begin to apply this to spiritual things in closing here. We can't limit this concept to just our physical realm. There is more going on than just what you can perceive with your five senses. I'll say that again. There is more going on around you than what you can perceive with your five senses. There is more than just your soul-ish emotional realm. Okay? Your emotions and everything, that's the, they're seated in your soul. It's not your spirit. They're seated in your soul. Amen? And so there's a lot more out there than what you are feeling. There is a spirit on the inside of you. You are a spirit. And there is a spiritual realm where God has already done his part. You are a spirit and there is a spiritual realm in which God has already done his part. If you don't relate to it properly, you're going to be hit and miss in your Christian walk. You need to live from the standpoint that God has already done it. He's provided everything you need in life. It's not a matter of trying to get God to move in your life. It's a matter of you moving over into agreement with him and receiving what he has already provided for you. Amen. So the last few words here is that you already have it. You already have it. Do a mental checklist or if you want to even go home and write down the things that you're praying for, the things that you need. Be it for you, be it for others and so on. If there are others that are around you in your sphere of influence, in your family, that need to understand that also, that are praying for things, that are hoping for things, especially if they are Christians, they're born-again Christians, open their eyes to the, to the realities of the spiritual realm and that God has already done it. Okay, and you've got to have faith that in God's time it will manifest in your life, but it's done. It's done. Okay, you don't have to constantly ask God, God, can I have the pen? Because God's already given it to you. Amen? Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.